Hello, and welcome to the latest Firefish podcast. This episode, Wendy is joined by the founder of the recruitment garage, Belinda Kerr, to speak about business mergers and partnerships in recruitment. Belinda's got a wealth of experience and she's very generous with it. So let's get straight to it. Here's Wendy speaking with Belinda Kerr. And welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Firefish podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, And I'm absolutely delighted we've gone across the globe. And this time we have uh, Belinda Kerr all the way from Australia, um, who we have joining us to share a little bit about her 18 years in recruitment. Um, Belinda's got a fantastic story of how she has grown uh, recruitment agency businesses, merged in with a UK business, taken it back, then set up a franchise model, and now starting a really exciting new venture over in Australia called Recruitment Garage. Um, so I thought she would be absolutely perfect to just share some of those lessons learned and her journey so far. So Belinda, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no, it's, it's fab. We we first got in contact, actually. I think you had seen a lot of the work that we were doing, Firefish, with uh, Greg Savage. You yes. actually used to work for him. I did many moons ago, a few yes. less grey hairs ago. <laughs> and I mentioned it to Greg and he does remember you, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Oh, no, definitely. So listen, um, you know, I, I, I was really fascinated. I, I love hearing about fellow entrepreneurs sort of starting businesses, exiting businesses. You know, it's what a lot of our viewers um, and listeners like to hear about. Um, so we're delighted that you're able to share your journey. Do you want to just sort of tell us a little bit about high level um, story about what the last 18 years of recruitment has led through all those different stages of your businesses? Sure, delighted to. Well, essentially, I did my you know, I'd, I'd had a sales background and I, I fell into recruitment. I actually used to look after the recruitment section on one of Sydney's newspapers. So I was exposed to the industry from the other side of the fence and met a lot of the agencies and decided that that could be a good path. So after a couple of years working for another agency, and yes, it was Craig Savage's agency, um, I then, like so many, I guess, decided to hang up a shingle and go on my own. And, you know, if I look back now at when I did start up, I realised just how absolutely naive I was. But I guess determination and, and hard work got me to where I am now. But, you know, plus plus lots of mistakes and detours and, and some good stuff along the way. So um, I, I launched ICUR in 2001. And then the business plan, I think, at the time, Wendy, was um, if I don't have to get another good job, another job, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, down the track, a, a business plan, a little bit more of a, a, solid, a solid strategy emerged. And a few years into the business, we were going really well and, and growing. And then we were approached by um, a UK firm, actually, who were looking to get a a global foothold into the, the media recruitment market, which was which, pardon me, which was where we focused. So. After numerous discussions, they uh, bought into or bought I bought into ICUR. It wasn't it wasn't a full buyout; it was a part buyout over time. But we can talk about that later if you like. But um, so essentially, they bought ICUR, and then we ran along for a few years. And, and as I say, in a strange twist of fate, I had the opportunity to uh, buy the business back from them, which I did. That was in uh, 2012, and just going along, I kind of noticed. Actually, funnily enough, it was my husband that originally noticed it, that there was an opportunity to do things a little bit differently. And at the time, I didn't know, I hadn't looked into the fact that there were other recruitment franchises around. It was all kind of, there's got to be something different for entrepreneurs who just want to do things a little bit differently. So after lots of 
kind of digging around and looking, we decided um, that we would launch um, a recruitment franchise business, which I co-founded with one of my former employees. And so that started in 2013. And then I found myself wow. um, a little bit in, yeah, busy. You're a mum, you know, I, I had a family and I had two businesses and things were getting a little bit hectic. And I, and I think it's a real lesson in business. You know, sometimes you can just take on a little bit much and it's a bit dangerous to be too fragmented because nothing really gets the attention that it needs. And whether it's your family or the business, something has to give at some point. So I also had another sort of spanner in the works there where I had a little girl who was very, very sick for two years. So I, my, I just couldn't be, I couldn't give everything as much attention as it needed. So I decided that I would roll ICUR, we, we, yeah, pretty much roll ICUR into um, the franchise business. That would free up a lot of my time. It also gave the consultants that were with ICUR an opportunity to be a part of something they already knew about and, and were quite interested in. Um, it, it gave um, the other business a whole lot of <laughs> a whole lot of business that it otherwise wouldn't have had, yeah. and it and it gave me time to spend with my family. So that's kind of how it, it went. It wasn't planned. It just kind of went that way. Um, and then I sort of had, a, I guess, a really good look at what I'd been doing for the last sort of 16, 17, or well, 17 years, 18 years, actually, as you just reminded me, God, those years. <laughs> um, and I, it was just time to do something a little bit different. So I started to have a bit of a soul search as to what I thought, where I thought my strengths were and what I could offer. And I absolutely get a kick out of really seeing people who are, putting their heart and soul into something, get back what they deserve. And, and what I know is recruitment. So I thought I can probably make a big difference here for recruiters in that kind of one to ten space that are looking to expand and grow their businesses but are trying to work their way through the overwhelm and the overwork. And, you know, I've got a lot of contacts, I've got a lot of experience and what I don't know I kind of know who to go to for. So then, you know, the, the idea for the recruitment garage emerged from that and, and that's where I am right now. Do you know, the thing that I, I mean, it's fantastic and, and well done. But the thing that just amazes me every time is that when I'm talking to um, entrepreneurs like yourself, that you could almost say that story of those 18 years without taking a breath. And there is so much in there. <laughs> so, do you know, I want to go back and I want to unpick a little bit of that because I think it's fascinating. And, and the first thing is, you know, just to give a little bit of context, in 2012, when you sold, um, you know, your, your business to that UK venture, at what size of business did you get there? And how on earth did the, how on earth do you even get visibility of a company from the UK wanting to come over and purchase you? Can you tell me a little bit about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was actually a bit of a struggle because when I started ICUR in 2001, look, it was, you know, you've got to remember what it was like back then. There was, mm -hmm. you know, the whole global thing just wasn't anywhere near where it is at the moment. And so I actually flew to London with the view of connecting even with some media recruiters over there to see if we could share candidates. I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's kind of how it went. That's and um, I went to, yeah, so I went to see one company and that's what we did. We shared the odd candidate here there and made a few very few um, split placements, but I guess what happened was there was a relationship that started and when it came time for them in 2008, which was seven or six or seven years later, they started looking at the Australian market. I was already on their radar and then yeah. they went and spoke to 
clients and people that they'd known because we were in the same industry, just on the other sides of the planet. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of there were a lot of people that we both knew, so they started speaking to those people. And luckily for me, they gave me a, a good rap, and then they started talking seriously to me. So that's that's how it, it came about. But I mean, just mm. even that, it's like so many people will sit there, they'll say, listen, do you know, I've been running my business for maybe, you know, five, eight years. It's how, how do I move this on? And and what you've just demonstrated is you just attack that as any way to expand your business, you know, maybe not with the end result of thinking I'm wanting to sell my business, but you went, you started to build what a good recruiter does. You went out, you started to build good strategic partnerships. You started to work together. You got to know together, you know, one another and the company. Um, and then it came good um, and you were able to, you know, make something more of that, which is which is fab. You know, at that stage then, then actually formalizing it, did you feel like you were, you know, giving your baby away or did that go quite well? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so I, I um, no, I didn't really feel like I was giving my baby away because by then it was 2008. So I'd been seven years into the business. I'd also... <laughs> I'd also just been through, um, and I don't think you know this story, I'd just oh. been through, I had premature twins at 24 weeks. Yeah. So they were in hospital for a long, long time. And I'd originally, when I discovered I was pregnant, the plan was, go away, have these babies, come back, get back to work in three months. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I had one that was in hospital for much a year and one that was in hospital for four months. and then So we had a long journey in hospital yeah. and it was and there was other people looking after the business while I was away. And then, um, so that was 2006 of so that year. And then it was at the end of, they were only just over one. And then I got approached. So I kind of went, well, this is nice. Yes, mm. let's have this conversation. So for me, there was nothing about this is my baby. It was, it was, mm -hmm. life was in complete turmoil and someone was throwing me a line, yeah. uh, which was great. Yeah, and I think that's really important to appreciate because we all start out our own businesses with this is our main focus, but then life catches up with you in terms of lots of other stuff. And, you know, you can't plan it. I mean, I, I so relate to that as like, yeah, let's just have a baby and we'll come back four to six weeks after <laughs> <laughs> and everything will be grand. <laughs> so um, I, and, and twins are doing well now. Yes, they're eleven now. So that was wow. a, that was a long time ago. Good. Um, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so, yeah. so then when you started working um, with the business in the UK, um, and then you actually reversed things and and took back ownership for that, what was the sort of catalyst mm. there? Mm. Um, well, originally they, the company bought me. They wanted to increase their, their global footprint, and they want something that was a, you know a ready-made business here on the ground. They had a, a foothold in the business already, and what actually happened is everything went really well in fact just after they, <laughs> they did buy icur that was in may of 2008 and of course we all know what happened in the month yes. that followed that we had a, yeah so we at that point we had a business of about 13 people okay. then the global crisis happened and of course they just <laughs> so from their side it wasn't so good but from my side it was great so they just bought into a business that now had to scale right down to get through the um the, the downturn fine so I, I think what you're basically saying is that it was great timer for you but just like so many I know I was planning for expansion that year as well made the same mistake um and suddenly everybody had to downsize so I think the UK business they were in a, a situation where they maybe had to reevaluate their international plans and you both came oh. to a conclusion Yes. So no, that was okay. So for the next few years, we did. We actually rode through that. We we okay. we did have to downsize. We rode through that. But in fact, what actually happened to the to us splitting apart was we were just a little bit 
ahead of when cloud technology was where it is today. So under advisement from IT, um, the IT experts, the group was advised that, yep, it'd be rigorous enough to have a global database at this point that was cloud-based. Mm-hmm. So everybody put their energies into building this horrendous <laughs> database <laughs> that didn't work. A, a, so, disclaimer here, a disclaimer here, that was not Firefish at that time. <laughs> so. Definitely not Firefish. Was definitely not quite um, and what happened was in reality I think it was probably okay at the UK's in fact I, I'm sure it was okay at the UK but what happened to us down under was that to give you an idea CVs were taking about a minute to open mm. that was just one thing that happened and it just it just was horrendous and my strength is not operations my strength is is people and and sort of the sales and marketing side of the business it's not sitting there working out what the flow of a um, database should be or what fields should be mandatory or not that's just not my thing and so all the support for that was in the UK so that was kind of happening at one level and bear in mind one of the reasons that they bought into the business was that they could have this access to this lovely global global database so that wasn't happening and also um, you're right. There were, you know, there were there were the downturns and things. But by but by the time um, I bought the business back, they, they, you know, things were certainly well back on track. But they also had um, a lot of interest in expanding to Asia, which they've since done. So um, between all of us, we decided the best thing for me, the best thing for them, and the best thing for the business was if we just went back to how it was. Um, we'll all remain friends. The first thing I did was get a new database. <laughs> I think that was like as soon as I put up the phone and we'd finish, it's like right, where's that new database? Yeah. Um, and then, and and that's and that's how it happened. So it was something that nobody could have predicted. And I mm-hmm. think that which was pretty harrowing for a business to to go through all of that. But what one of the lessons, I guess, the lesson, main lesson learned out of that was, I think people are if people are invested in doing the right thing across the board, things work out. And it didn't. It was fine. And and you know, I still go to these guys and ask them for advice on things and you know, we still remain friends. So it's interesting what can happen and you can still come out of it all the other end in, you know, still having an intact relationship which is which which is credit to you and the other company as well because you know that could have just destroyed both companies um, you know, and, mm. and I think, you know, that's where I always look at the energy in the business and if that energy goes negative on both parts, you know, everybody's then internally just trying to fight their way out of it and the business and the customer mm-hmm. suffers. So well done for continuing that and actually getting a solution that still worked with a revenue income from both of you still, um, you know, supporting one another's business. So so then you, you move that away and suddenly decided now this is something that the UK um, are definitely we're seeing more and more of it is that a way to grow businesses but you also then decided to look at a franchise venture um so mm. can you talk me through what what did you have to do in order to think about a franchise why did you think that that was right to then grow the business in that way mm. well it's funny we didn't actually start off thinking let's put together a franchise business the, the thinking started with there's got to be something else to offer recruitment owners who want to go out on their own that mm-hmm. don't just want to, you know, hang their own shingle and, and, you know, have their own website and marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually, well, my husband actually was looking at the property group in, are they Tanner or Re, uh, Remax? Re, right. Yeah, doing a very similar thing. And, and he and I were talking and, you know, I think concurrently one of the um, guys that also worked for me at the time at ICUR was having sort of similar thoughts and one thing led to another and he and I became co-founders of something that wasn't quite worked out at that point <laughs> but, <laughs> but came up 
a franchise business. So our mindset was, you know, in Australia, I'm not sure what the rules are in the UK or the States, but in Australia, there's certain laws around how many hours people can contract before you have to be a salaried employee and so that. But so what we were trying to create was a model where recruiters could come on on a legally on a commission only model. Um, and we would provide all the back-end resources for them. That was kind of the starting point. And then one thing led to another, and what we really created was something that was already in the market. But it was kind of funny going around it that way because I think we did it in a way that worked for us, whereas if we realised what was there to start with before we started doing our research, I think we probably would have... It's hard, isn't it, then to not copy what's already there. So did you do, do the sort of traditional venture in terms of, um, you know, people had to buy into the franchise and they became part of your brand, or did the... Um, buy into the central function, but had their own brand. No, they didn't have to. They didn't have to buy in. They um, they paid a, a monthly fee for um, accounting and um, uh, the website, I guess, really, and just sort of the, the back office functions. Mm-hmm. And then there was a percentage taken of their revenue, and then there was a they were on a um, a three year contract. Yeah, it was a three year tie in that they were basically able to then operate. Sort of pretty much independently but within the context of you know your, the, the larger brand and the shared sort of um, knowledge base then within your franchisees did did you split it yeah, up that, originally uh, it was split up by specialism so okay. excellent and lessons on that and was it successful yeah it's 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 successful I guess um the the reason that I left was because um it's a pretty simple business model and once it was all set up and done there were two of us running the business and I was sort of getting itchy feet about starting something else and really most of what I was doing in the end was attracting recruiters to come and join the business which was important and an important function but it just wasn't fulfilling enough for me and the business didn't need two of us running it it just Mm -hmm. it just simply didn't need that and so um I also, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but I also had a one of my little children, one of my girls was was quite ill for the last couple of years. So it was an opportunity for me to kind of step back from the from the day to day running of a um, of a business that's that's I guess more complex and just set something up different that yeah. was a new challenge for me, which led me to where I am now. Yeah. So tell me then, that's a good link in in terms of the recruitment garage. So you yeah. know, tell us a little bit more about. Um, what you're trying to achieve there it's a it's a really exciting time for me because all of a sudden I get to sort of bottle my experience and and share it with people heading down a a similar path to what I've already been doing Mm -hmm. um and I think for recruitment entrepreneurs there's so much overwhelm and and unnecessary overwork that leads to sort of so much frustration and and low profits I think there's a big opportunity to show people there is an easier way to do things and they can create scale they can increase their profits they can work less um, and, you know, and, and really enjoy what they're doing, but they do need to do things differently, and they do need to start with thinking like a business owner and, and, and stop working like a recruiter who's going in alone. And I, I just, I'm, I'm just really passionate. I speak to people who, you know, been running businesses for a couple of years, have had an agency for a couple of years, they might have a few staff, but they say to me, "I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, and it, you know, there's so much to do, and I just, they can't see the wood for the trees." And I just, mm-hmm. I love having a conversation with those people and going. Well, let's just strip it strip it back a bit. Where's your where's your biggest problem? And here's some different ways. And hearing them kind of go, oh my god, like mm-hmm. that will make such shifts. And then seeing them go and get into action. So that that really inspires me when I see that. Now, obviously, I can't have those conversations with everybody, but by having, I guess, a forum like the recruitment garage, I can create a place for people to 
come and find out stuff, how to make their businesses better without having to, you know, go out and get a $30,000 consultant for the year or whatever. So that's that's sort of, I guess, my ethos behind it all. Do you want to just sort of reflect, where can they find this? Yeah, sure. So the website's just www.recruitmentgarage.com. Perfect. And just now it's not commercial. It's not sort of set up in that way. It's um, There's lots of great resources on that just now for a recruitment agency owner. I mean, I'm only a couple of months in, Wendy. Yeah. So really what I've got so far is I've got a growing database of people who once a week I'm sending out an email called Traction, which is really advice on, you know, really scaling up a business, really getting clients that you want to be working with, thinking about how to scale your business and, and do things better. So that's that's going out every week and I'm, that's, that's growing really quickly. I'm really happy and the feedback's been really positive on that. And then I think the logical step from here is to, is to create a membership site for people and mm-hmm. I'm just really talking to recruiters to find out what they want. I know there's no point me creating a site for me. It's If you're a recruitment owner and you've, you've got a few experience and you've got some ideas on, you know, what would be, interesting from you on a on a membership site they're they're the sorts of people i'm talking to at the moment and wanting to hear whether it's you know discounts on software whether it's you know having you know if they want to do an intro and an outro on a podcast or something then where could they go to do that or Mm -hmm. you know they're wanting to look at doing some um you know more planning and strategy in their business that's actionable tomorrow those those sorts of things they're the sorts of things that we'd probably look at having on a on a, a site i'm not talking about something like a what's it called the rec in in the in the yeah, UK, we have, yeah, we've got like at school, we've got rec, um, which is, are more like trade bodies, which, yeah. you know, they sort of look after any sort of pending change. Like the big change we've got is GDPR just now and sort of how that rolls out and they're representing yeah. the agency. Um, no, it, it sounds much more that you're looking at more. Yeah, all practical stuff for people who are yeah. running small recruitment agencies or starting small recruitment agencies. And, you know, so many people say that they just feel alone. They don't know who to go to. They just want someone to run something by or a second opinion or you know, where do I go to find this or find that or, you know, through to creating a virtual board or, you know, looking at strategies to really own your market, those, those sorts of things that mm-hmm. the typical problems that the, um, you know, the, the, the recruitment owners have. And, you know, I think, you know, using your story, if there's any way that um, from a UK perspective that they can be introduced to, um, you know, people in the Australian market and potentially doing, you know, splits. I mean, I have loads of people that have gone out to work in Australia and vice versa, etc. as well. So, you know, that might be yeah. interesting to look at too. Um, tell me this burning question here. Now mm. that you've had sort of, you, dipped, you know, you've had experience of running a business over in Australia. You've sort of had understanding of the UK market. Do you think that they're the same? Do the, are the problems the same for running a business or are there some differences? I think the overarching problems are the same. I think the subtleties are different. So by way of example, um, at a technical level, so for example, everyone needs a database. That's 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 logical. But in Australia, we probably need a few different things on our database and you would because things like GDPR and I, to be honest, I don't understand a lot about it other than the top level of that are probably going to affect you in ways that they won't affect us. But the but the bigger picture is, you know, we all need candidates, we all need clients, we all need to be able to email people. So I think as far as something like talking to people about growing their businesses and, and the problems that business owners face, I think are, are, are worldwide, definitely. Yeah. So everyone feels overwhelmed, everyone feels time poor, everyone feels there's so much tech, which way do they go? You know, everyone's yeah. saying you've got to go through social media and content, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Everyone's saying all the same sort of stuff. The noise is the same, but I think when you drill down, there's probably some some intricacies. And we also have, we've got a massive um, 
amount of, of UK recruiters in Australia, mm-hmm. but they've recently changed the laws, and I'm not completely up to date on this at the moment, but there was a the four, five, sevens here where people could come out um, from the UK and then and then go on to um, permanent residency residency mm-hmm. from here. Mm-hmm. And there's been some backlash against that, and things are changing, and so that's stopped a lot of people coming out. But the flip mm-hmm. side of that is, I think that that also creates an opportunity, probably now more so than it has been for a while, for people to just start some of those international alliances again. So they might yeah. not be able to come out here and work, but they may need be able to work with consultants who are already here or vice versa. Yeah, totally. That's excellent. And and just looking back then, anything you would have changed or anything you would have done differently? <laughs> I think probably that I couldn't have predicted, I couldn't have predicted 16, 17 years ago that this is how my life went. I mean, so much has happened that just fell as it fell. And I think you just need to be mindful in business that, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst and, and, um, swim like crazy as you get as you go through it all because um, it's it's full of surprises it's a full it's full of twists and turns that you that you just don't expect but I think as in my favourite actress Judy Dench says I love this in that movie what's the movie um, the uh, the very best Marigold Hotel and she says um, it's not we're defined in life not by what happens to us but by how we respond. And I try and mm. I try and take that with me when uh, you know the proverbial hits the fan and I'm dealing with it. And on that note, I absolutely love that. That's a, a brilliant phrase to to rule your life by. Um, Melinda, thank you so much for sharing that because you you really have you know even in 18 years, it's amazing what has been achieved or the you know the challenges you've had to face and just work through. It. And I think overall, for me, uh, when I first talked to you, it's just about your constant dedication to actually seeing your own path of, in life and getting there and as you said mm. taking the knocks as they hit you so you know it's 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 perfectly to you oh that's very sweet thank you Wendy so listen I know that you're very welcome to um any uh, invitations or LinkedIn connections you know what what's the best way for, for for people to get in contact with you yes well I'm certainly on LinkedIn just Belinda Kerr and um or they can email me Belinda at recruitmentgarage.com Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us. I know that um, the more and more people that can share their journey audience in terms of the, the, the battles they're facing or the challenges or the or the decisions that they're trying to look at as how, how to run their agency and, and progress forward. So really, thank you so much. I um, thoroughly enjoyed it. And for all those listening, um, if you enjoyed it, please um, continue to sort of tell us that you like the stuff or, um, you know, like us on iTunes and um, that keeps us going and we'll keep um, trying to produce all the content and everybody shares shared stories with you. Um, thank you so much. Until next time. Hello and welcome to the latest Firefish podcast. This episode, founder of the Recruitment Garage, Belinda Kerr, joins Wendy to speak about the topic of business mergers and partnerships in recruitment. She's got a wealth of experience and is very generous with it. So let's get into it. Here's Wendy speaking with Belinda.